it's never just give me four bangers and let's release them. It's like put together a project that genuinely reflects and represents you on a musical level. Do what you can to make sure that it's palatable, but at the same time, don't limit your creativity. This is the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Welcome back to the Last Week Liquid Podcast, the show all about the world of drum and bass. This week, I bring you my discussion with Colby, also known as Echo Brown. Colby is a drum and bass producer based in North Carolina. And in this episode, we talk about what it's like living in the US in these turbulent times, the state of drum and bass in the US, his latest EP Struggles on the North Quarter, and what it feels like being part of the North Quarter family, his hip-hop influences, the progressive nature of drum and bass, imposter syndrome, and a lot more. As you've probably noticed, this is a monster episode, uh, my longest to date. Um, so I'll leave the intro at that and simply remind you to check out my website, www.lastweekliquid.com, for access to all the previous episodes and much more. But now, onto the show. So, as always, thanks a lot for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Colby, better known as Echo Brown. Colby is an American drum and bass producer based out of North Carolina, with releases across labels such as Solvent, Inhabit, and Symmetry. More recently, he has made quite the headlines with his debut EP on the North Quarter, the beautiful Struggles EP, which Mixmag quoted as one of the best albums of 2021 so far. You can also catch his latest release, Conversations, out now as part of the Points of Origin Volume 4 compilation on Shogun. Colby, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I appreciate that, Simon. Thanks for having me. Doing uh, well. How, are things how about in, you? Uh, all good. All good, man. Um, I was just reflecting beforehand. It's the first time having an, uh, an American producer on the show this is this is going to be episode 26 i believe and first american on the show so that's a oh uh, okay <laughs> that's a i like that <laughs> hopefully it's not the last got a lot no, of no. a lot of got a lot of good people out in these areas that um, i'm pretty hopeful you know we'll start branching out into the limelight here soon so yeah, yeah hopefully we'll have another another u.s uh, person for you soon yeah yeah for sure it's uh it's a topic i have lined up for later on like drum and bass in the u.s and why maybe it hasn't picked up as much or is it picking up more now <laughs> or, and things like that but before we dive into all of that how are things in in your side of the world uh, at the moment well not good <laughs> um yeah no it's it's kind of hectic um you know we're still on this this covid situation over here in the states and you know as everybody knows you know the deaths continue to just soar uh cases aren't necessarily that large or you know the the amount of cases stacking up isn't as exponential as it was you know last year around this time or maybe even shortly after but um no it's still like kind of dangerous out here for that um, there aren't a whole lot of restrictions besides, you know, social distancing and you got to wear a mask. Um, but, uh, there's really nothing else 
beyond that. So, you know, that's why people are dying left and right. Um, plus this is the South. It's more conservative. So each mm-hmm. state kind of renders their own regulations on stuff. Um, and uh, COVID is something that they kind of just don't care about. They're trying to push people to start, you know, getting the businesses up and running again, mm-hmm. even though it's completely hazardous. They want kids back in school again, even though it's completely hazardous. It's just a disregard for life. So, yeah, that's a, that's a huge dampener. You know, we've been living that life for like just honestly just coming around a full like 365 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it's been it's been stressful. But other than that, I mean, can't be too it's not really that much worse than that. Um, weather's weird. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I have like my knowledge of us states is quite bad beyond like California, Texas. And, <laughs> uh, oh, you're good, so, man. so where's like North Carolina exactly? What kind of like weather do you guys have? Yeah. North Carolina is, uh, it's in the Southeast on the coast. Um, it's a pretty, it's a wide state. And, um, uh, the weather here varies, you know, we'll get like, we get four seasons in like five days, um, minus the good stuff. So like, like right now we're pushing in the spring. We're going to be getting probably some rain here and there. The temperatures won't go below 50 and they'll probably peak just about at 75 degrees humidity will be like 80 to 90 percent it'll be like breathing in a literal bowl of soup it sucks (laughs) i hate it dude i like the weather here is not good and it doesn't matter where you go you could go to the coast um it's a city i used to live in uh, over there called wilmington i lived there for like nine years before i moved here which is raleigh it's the the capital area and um yeah it's like weather sucks man but like everything else also sucks about north carolina i just don't i don't suggest visiting the south ever there's just so many people like when i was uh when i was overseas um like a couple years ago i was in i was in london for a little bit and uh, i was talking to a bunch of people there and i'm like we really want to yeah, man, we can't wait to come and visit the States. And like, we really, and it was always stupid stuff. Like I really want to visit Florida. And I'm just like, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to visit Florida. Like you got Disney world. But other than that, like dudes are eating like other people and uh, alligators are like squaring up with people in the streets. Like, it's, I don't it's, suggest it's it. It's like that meme, uh, Florida man hits again. It's, like it's always headlines, Florida man. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> What's nuts is that that's, it was supposed to be like a hyperbolic representation of Florida, but like everything that happens on the Florida means Reddit, the, the, all the threads that have occurred, they're not just like makeup. Like that's all yeah, of this shit. It's, happened. Headlines. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so weird, man. I've never had like an experience in Florida where I haven't been like, this is, this is insane. If I don't bug out now, I might die. Was, like, was the whole, uh, t- tiger King. I don't know if you saw that documentary. Was that oh, in Florida yeah. or was that elsewhere? I honestly, I it was the South, but I was, I'm not sure. Yeah. The, um, the tiger king thing is something i never really delved into it's just one of those things where it got hyped up and it's 
Mm. I just didn't care for it that much. It, for me, it just looked like something that I knew, like if I started watching or really like deep diving into, I would become abysmally unimpressed and just not yeah. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't mess with it. I, I want to say it's in Florida. It feels like a Florida thing. Honestly, <laughs> it just That's feels funny. like it's Florida, but I'm probably mistaken. I could probably look it up right now, but yeah, if yeah. <laughs> it, it feels like something out of, out of Florida. Yeah, I saw that there was, yeah, there was so much hype around that documentary. I did give it a shot. I think it was like six episodes or something. And yeah, I finished it and I was like, okay, this is crazy, but it's not like I had like learned anything or it was more kind of, I don't know, watching crazy people do crazy stuff. And then it's like, okay, what now? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It felt kind of weird, but. uh, Shock value entertainment. Yeah. This is personality stuff. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You don't gain anything from it. No. Nah. But so coming back to North Carolina, so have you always lived in a, around there? Nah, man. I'm from the New York City, New Jersey area. Okay. Yeah. I moved here when I was in high school. Um, I don't know. Do they call it high school and where you're at? Or is it something called something else? Yeah, it's like grades. School, yeah. High school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I learned that the hard way. I was trying to explain somebody what 12th grade was and they were like, what is that and i'm like oh (laughs) um uh yeah no i lived in jersey until i was like in high school i moved down here that was like oh nine when i moved down here and um yeah unfortunately have not been able to leave ever since so yeah it's it's a total change of pace i don't like it barbecue's not that special it just isn't (laughs) like that's really all I got. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else good to say about the South besides maybe every once in a while you catch a good restaurant that makes like good beef brisket. And that's, mm. that's it. Everything else is just, you can get the same things in California. I, I, I guarantee you or mm. any other state that has way more appeal, way more things to do. And honestly, just like, I don't yeah. know, man, it's just preferential. That's just me. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. But so, yeah, I, I don't want to get like too personal, obviously, but uh, do, do you have any plans of like maybe moving elsewhere in the States or you talked about London, uh, <laughs> Europe? I don't know what's on the cards for you. Um, well, <clears throat> I really wanted to move out to London uh, after being there for, or in the UK in general for two weeks, uh, probably the best two weeks I think I've ever had in my life. You, you guys just live differently. I'm, I'm with it a hundred percent. I loved it. Food was great. People were great. Just my, just my speed, you know, like no one's trying to talk to you in the middle of the street about stuff that you don't want to talk to anybody about, which is what happens here in the South, the whole Southern hospitality thing, which is just, yeah. Like, let me, let me, if I bump into you by accident in the street, like now we're going to have a 10 minute conversation about each other's kids. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk to you at all. So, um, and then there's like the New York city style, which is just, uh, if you bump into me, we immediately fight, uh, yeah, yeah. for no reason. It's just like, could have been a simple swipe or whatever, but for some reason I, no one even turns around the fist just like immediately comes out um it was london was like the perfect blend everybody was just super like nice but 
kept to themselves. The establishments were cool. I liked it. Drum and bass culture was obviously uh, un- <laughs> unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced. I got there on a Wednesday, right? That night, someone was telling me that a show was going down. I couldn't go to it. He was like, that's okay. You can go to the one next day on Thursday night, mm-hmm. which happened to be Soul in Motion. Oh, wow. And then the night after that, I went to a show in Vauxhall, which was like a renegade hardware show. And then after that, I went to like another show on a boat. Um, Shouts out to Benny V for helping me with most of that. Um, And MC Elmatica. Like, I hadn't experienced that. Here in North Carolina, we'll get like one show or two shows a year. Like, Mm. just in an entire year, one or two shows. 30 people show up. The venue is mainly crap it's like in a in a country music bar and then it's like they'll hollow it out they'll use the same in-house speaker so everything is not good um so and it'll be like a like a massive person too it'll be like man like if like if we booked just in relevance to like north quarter like if we booked lensman and raleigh i think we'd get like maybe 50 to 65 people but like half of the people that would come out for that would be the patrons at that bar that are there every night losing their minds getting drunk and then would just kind of get drunk and start dancing but have no idea what the music is or who to go um whatever yeah right yeah yeah and so yeah london was just crazy and i was really gung-ho about moving out there for like a year year and a half um But after a while, especially within the past year and a half, just seeing the political landscape of both countries, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it sounds like especially with Brexit and a lot of the leadership that you guys have in British or the British Parliament, it just seems like you guys are going down a more conservative centric route. And that's, you know, I've seen how that has played out here in the States for four years. I've never been more stressed out in my adult life. So I would, if I can avoid that, then I'll probably, you know, if that means yeah. not moving to London, then, you know, it, it's whatever. Look, moving to London was a pipe dream anyway. But if I can move to anywhere in the States right now, man, I mean, the obvious choices are going to be uh, either, you know, Cali or uh, New York City, maybe Denver. Denver's nice, but it's smack dab in the middle. And I feel like traveling to like high, uh, like just high show or venue volume states like California and New York and DC would be like super annoying having to fly like four hours every time. But Mm. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Is there like a like a hotspot for for drum and bass in in the US, like a city that's maybe a bit more renowned for putting on events and stuff. California, Los Angeles and San Francisco for sure. Um, Los Angeles that has respect. Um, uh, if you've, you've heard of it, Rob Machete's uh, uh, respect Thursday's night. That's it's infamous mm-hmm. been around for, I think like 21 years now. They're the biggest drum and bass night in the U S hands down. Um, you got stamina in, uh, San Francisco, which is another massive platform. Um, and when I think of like the major, cause I've been to a lot, I've been to a lot of these States to see shows 
And I can say like right now, like going to Los Angeles to see, and I wasn't even at a respect show. I was at a, a show for accelerated, which is another platform that they have out there. And um, yeah, they book, they book everybody, which is really important. Um, you'll get a lot of States that book a lot of like, like basically the same acts every year or every other show, just because they're available and they know it's what will bring people in uh, essentially occurring, uh, not occurring, um, ensuring that revenue yeah. is made. Um, and, um, while I understand that from a business perspective, from a creative and artist standpoint, it's, it, 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 there's no, there's no progress there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Los Angeles has always been really good on that. Um, I've heard that Seattle has a really awesome uh, scene out there as well. I just haven't made it out to Seattle. That's on my bucket list. I really, I, I just, there's something about Seattle that I really like aesthetically. I, mm. I want to check out. Um, yeah, I, I run a, uh, I used to run with the DC cruise a lot, particularly, uh, uh, resonant. There's a couple of dudes out there. Kalu and Ahmet, uh, and um, they they make like drum and bass on the East Coast a lot easier to to make progress with. Okay. Um, you know, they're they book, you know, they book, you know, like OGs. They'll book new cats and up uh, up and coming people, um, and uh, it's kind of a rarity. So DC on the East coast, I would say is probably a hub. Um, New York city has Betty Ford. Um, then it's a name of the platform, not a person. Mm. <laughs> um, these and, uh, new names to me, like I've never heard any of these. <laughs> yeah, man. It's all elusive unless you live here. Yeah, um, guess, yeah. Same way. Like, you know, if I were to go over to like, um, you know, if I were to go to someplace, you know, like, like Ireland or Scotland, because I don't hear enough about the platforms yeah. out there. Um, I know about Inhabit because I've had an EP with them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, uh, the guy who runs that always talks about that a lot. Um, but yeah, I would probably say the hub in these states is yeah. California right now. I know that anybody in any other state in North or I said uh, I think I said uh, the capital in North Carolina. My apologies, that is not. It's just programmed <laughs> in me to say that. Um, in the U.S. is definitely California, um, okay. but yeah, every person or like promoter or platform from every state is probably going to dispute that and say that, nah, <laughs> it's, man. It's their city. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like in here, here in Raleigh. No, <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> nah, Raleigh. Fam. It's <laughs> but, definitely not North Carolina in general. <laughs> but to, to your point, you were saying earlier, I thought it was really interesting. It's true that because drum and bass, at least from an outside perspective, isn't uh, as big in the U.S. as other genres in the U.S. For mm -hmm. those events, like they have to get the big acts because it's already risky to put up, put on a drum and bass event. You mm -hmm. have to have the big names to bring <coughs> people. And so then it's like a vicious circle of you can't really bring in newcomers because it's, as you said, it's not like London where you have an event on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Saturday. And then you can kind of mix it around and give a shot at, and there's so many venues, you can give a shot at like newcomers. It's kind of a vicious circle in 
I, I imagine in the US where there's less opportunities to play as well. And so less opportunities for people to hear about it. And you're stuck a bit in that loop. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I played those games for like two and a half years when I really started getting shows. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's also the, the saturation of people who are in charge of promoting and booking shows as well. A lot of the people that do have ownership or management or leadership over those platforms happen to be people from what we consider to be the golden age era of drum and bass in the States. Are you familiar with Diesel Boy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite a few years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like anywhere from like, I'm, I, it probably goes back even farther, but the earliest Diesel Boy that I can always recount is like 0203, 2002, mm. 2003. Um, and that's really like the staple time for drum and bass in the U.S., because you had Human Imprint, which at the time was the biggest drum and bass label in the U.S. You had all the different show nights that they were throwing. Um, and uh, it was everywhere, um, even, even in North Carolina. North Carolina was like the southeast hub for drum and bass 10 years ago, like 10 to 20, yeah. not 20, but like 10 to 12, maybe 15 years ago. Um, and it's interesting whenever I talk to, you know, uh, you know, my friends out, uh, you know, here that, you know, were part of those crews and part of those shows uh, back then that were like, yeah, man, we'd have like total science and Dillinger play and all this stuff. And it's just like a lot of those, a lot of that mentality is what drives the motives for people to book talent now yeah. in terms of booking the same people. So like if they could get gridlock to play a show every month like a residency in north carolina they would mm. even though uh, like it's gridlock i'm not going to talk shit about gridlock <laughs> like mm. no one's going to be mad at gridlock gridlock's like a u.s legend um he's got i mean that's that's definitely one of the staples of american drum and bass right there but like there are people like justin hawks winslow uh, yeah. on the state side that they could easily book they're new they're currently on you know they're currently on the charts yeah, yeah. you know both on an independent basis and with you know labels yeah these are people that you'd want to promote and you'd want to book to be able to get people in to drum and bass even like not just for the current community but to drive new people to the community yeah because we don't have enough drum and bass fans here in the U.S. Obviously, we want to try and introduce it to as many people as we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, booking someone like me for an event where it's ex it, there's an expectation that it's going to be neurofunk and tear out drum and bass for the night is a horrible idea. Yeah, but yeah. that's some of the expectations that happen. So yeah. I think there just needs to be a shift in approach on how we're booking people out here and how we're uh, really just representing drum and bass internationally. Yeah. But I mean, can only do, but so much And some cities I will give credit are definitely progressive on that front. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Los Angeles, they're, they're doing great things. I, I like, I just, I've yet to see a roster or a lineup that hasn't been like, okay, this person just had EP out. 
oh, this person just got signed to this label. You know, this person is making big headways. This is an OG legend, but, you know, they're paying homage, so they're having him play a night mm, or, yeah. or her play a night. And then it could, it literally goes down the list. They tick all the boxes and, you know, there are just, there aren't enough platforms in the U.S. that do that. Yeah. I'm hoping that changes. So, so it's interesting from your, from what you're saying. So you think it's more a question of the way maybe drone bases promoted and marketed rather than a, because I always thought it was more fundamental difference of maybe Americans don't enjoy drone bass or the more liquid, soulful aspect of drone bass. And it was like just a, I don't know, fundamental difference in what they like versus Europeans, maybe. Mm. But from what you're saying, like, do you think that's true? Or is it really more a question of just how the music's presented and marketed? And I don't know. That's absolutely true as well. Um, it's a multifaceted problem. You know, it's something that, we can't it, it's like having 10 problems that you can't tackle in in order you have to tackle it all at once yeah. um so yeah no what you say is absolutely true um a large amount of the fan base are just again i, I hate using the term old heads i feel like it's slightly <laughs> derogatory but a lot of them take it with pride so i'm gonna just use it in this yeah, no, it's, case it's all right. yeah um a lot of the drum and bass community are still OG jungle heads. Like they're just, they want to go back to the late nineties, early two thousands and just go back to their teenage slash early twenties rave days. And they want to relive that nostalgia. Um, and the moment any new cats come around that are pushing any type of new sound or trying to, you know, promote progress on that realm to at least put us on par with the international community. Mm. Um, it always comes down to this argument, like this age old argument of you're changing our sound, stop, and we're going to do what we can to like exclude you. So that way you can't. It's yeah. a lot of like just traditionalist elitist mentalities yeah. precisely. And so that's a lot of, you know, a lot of the communities have that as well. Um, mm. You'll go to shows and it'll be someone very reputable, very accomplished. And they'll be playing stuff that's coming out like yesterday, you know, like stuff that just came out 24 hours ago and they're dropping it. And these people leave. Like I went to a show in DC once. It was Calix TV, the Upbeats uh, and Break. You know, oh, wow. le legends, the, like yeah. the show was nuts and they were playing stuff that wasn't what a lot of the up the, the upbeat breaking Calix and TV fans were used to because they were expecting, you know, break to come in and just drop um, just basically drop half of the previous albums that he's had. Mm -hmm. uh, and not play the new stuff. Cause he was just break was just up there dropping like half of the set was like, total science, the sauce and any new stuff that you have, which for me, I've mentioned it multiple times and like other like platforms, like the sauce is easily like, like, I'm sorry, when you get a trio like DLR hydro and total science together, I'm sorry, bro. Like that's a knockout. Like you can't, you can't get any better than that. But like there were people at that show, I'm going to say it, uh, people I, I went to the show with that were just like, wow, the upbeats are playing really shitty songs. Wow, I don't think 
and, mm. like I, I hate this and like just not having a good time complaining about it and like some of these people did have say or at least some type of dominion of what was getting booked here in Raleigh in North Carolina and the upbeats were I, I spoke to them for a little bit and they're like yeah we actually wouldn't mind coming to Raleigh sounds like a cool little city wouldn't mind to see how you guys get down there I'm like hey dude what if you like what you did tonight you're gonna kill it it yeah. like it won't be a loss of investment it's gonna be good um and like some of these people that were in charge of the promotion stuff um not the person the person that actually runs bookings in Raleigh or at least did at that time. She's incredible. I love her. Like she's always super, super progressive. She's, she does the most for everybody and anybody that comes through, but like some of these other people that like were like fronting for a lot of these shows were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're not going to support a booking for the upbeats because you know, they're playing this crappy new music and we want like the old, like, like, Oh my, like back in, you know, when they were making like primitive technique in 2013 and we just want stuff from like the nineties and I'm like, man, listen, I can't explain or like iterate enough how much you will drive any new drum and bass heads away from your platform Mm. and bleed your own platform dry by doing that. It's it's being afraid of change. It's like anything. It's like any sort of music or any type of art just in general. Mm. Like I, I know nothing about painting, for example, but I'm sure when, I don't know, Picasso came around, people were like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to do this with painting or whatever. And he just did his own thing. And maybe that brought in new people to like, I'm way out of my depth talking about painting, but I imagine it's something similar and it's just being afraid of change and being afraid of new generations with new ideas coming in and changing what you know and what you love and mm. it's a constant struggle so yeah yeah i see where you're, where you're coming from I, I guess we can only hope it's like a it's going to be a change a slow change of like generation like new generations slowly mm. replacing the old one and and change slowly takes place in that way but uh yeah man time <laughs> There's also a lot of gimmick drum and bass too that gets like super hyped up, man. All these random bootlegs of songs that happen here in the States that you don't Mm. need to make a bootleg of. Like (laughs) I went to a show once here and people were playing um, and like dude had a crowd, but he was playing like Benny L Foghorn stuff for a little bit. And I'm like, all right, word, that's cool. And then he was dropping like bootlegs, drum and bass bootlegs of like Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. Oh, and I was sick. just, and he, he was like legit hyped up and I'm just in the crowd. Like you got to not what do that this? fam. Yeah. This like, I'm never like an elitist, but this is just a, this is just disrespectful. I yeah. need you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> but like, no, it's just like, yeah, man, people, the, U, the best way to sum it up about the U S scene is that it's highly competitive, but also highly traditional in a sense that everybody's doing what they can to make, music or spin music that will put them in a position to succeed financially like yeah there are some people that don't do that um and they may go places they may not go places but they understand that there's something there um you know that they really can't control on that front especially new producers um there are tons of new producers here in the states that haven't been able to break out because their own communities won't let them Mm. like that's heartbreaking 
I remember going through the same thing as well. I used to play shows for the bartender in the city that I actually started DJing because I would get booked. There would be promotion. I would show up uh, like I'd be there from the start of the show, start of the entire show, like 30 minutes before everything come up. I'd try to help, you know, set up the soundstage and everything, just doing what I can, you know, being a member of that community and that scene and supporting it as much as I can to play shows that end 45 minutes early because no one shows up. Mm. and like you'll try to send signals out to you know your crews and the local dmb people and be like hey i'm playing tonight yeah it's gonna be great i got i got dubs man like you might want to come through no one does it's super Mm. frustrating depending on where you go and depending on who you are like it's very discouraging i'm hoping that we can change that because there Mm. are some really dope producers yeah. that deserve the platform to really break out and start making things and start making waves. But they can't do that because they're constantly not given a platform to do so. I just keep telling them like, listen, man, it's hard to change people's minds on that. Send music yeah. out to any and everybody that you can, like just network. Yeah. Trust me, it pays off. It may be a year, it may be five years, but you you need to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm hoping that it gets better. I'm hoping that I can do something to make it better. But, yeah. you know. I definitely definitely think you are. Like, honestly, I, you weren't that much on my radar before your North Quarter EP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, yeah, discovered that EP and instantly loved it and was like, okay, I, like, I want to talk to this guy and get into his, like, process and how those tracks came to be and everything because it sounded very fresh. It sounded like... Uh, a new perspective on you uh, liquid deep drum and bass i'd say and yeah so just let's just dive into that ep because i really enjoyed. i it. appreciate that um man. uh <laughs> yeah no i was gonna say like i appreciate the kind words bro thank you um i'm glad you like it i mean the ep took you know a lot to kind of put together just in terms of I guess just finding the motivation to do it, right? The struggle itself. So yeah. um, I'm glad that it made the waves that it did. It wasn't really my intention for it to get to that point, or at least I didn't have any expectations going into it that it would, you know, get the type of reception that it did. So mm. I mean, hey, I mean, I'm, I won't, I won't complain about it. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. How, how did uh? How did it actually land on the the North Quarter? Because they're pretty selective. Like Lensman is pretty selective with the music that comes out there. I, I'm not even sure you can like submit demos to them. So how did that happen? Um, yeah, so I had sent music around to multiple labels about two, two and a half years ago. And I was um, talking to uh, one particular label manager um, who I'm not sure is okay to mention the name. So I'm going to, I'm going to not mention it yeah, just, sure. just for professional sure, yeah, uh, yeah. purposes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he had, he liked my music and we had been, uh, communicating back and forth and uh, he wanted to talk to, you know, the person that ran the label that, uh, he was with, or that he, he managed to see if we can sign something Unfortunately, uh, nothing could make the cut. 
Um, but he was like, you know what? These tunes are really good. Give me, you know, let me see if I can send these around and perhaps maybe, um, you know, someone else in my network will, will dig them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after that, uh, I waited about maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Um, and, uh, I was at work and I get a message in SoundCloud, uh, from Lensman <laughs> telling me, Hey, I, you know, this person told me that you're making some pretty dope tunes, uh, send me something and, um, you know, let's see what happens. You know, which for me, I thought was a spam message. I thought somebody was was messing with me. Yeah. Um, did you, and did so you fall from but, your chair, or how did you react? Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I was at work at the time, and uh, I basically had like the little like freak out where I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and just but like also trying to not like just look it over my shoulder, like I can't let them catch me slipping. Yeah. Um, Stay cool. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so I sent him show you which was the track that got featured on the quarter to quarter various artists yeah. compilation. And, um, yeah, like he was, he was like, you know, is this with anybody right now? Cause I want to sign it. I was like, no, he was just like, have you sent it anywhere? And I'm like, I have, but no one got back to me. And he was like, they're idiots. I'm going to sign this now. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do this shit. I'm down. And, um, yeah, that was yeah. It's, the rest is history. I've been been on the label working with everybody, you know, mm-hmm. pretty heavily. It's been nice to kind of have like a label community. I've never had that before. You know, normally I just you know beforehand I had like a, little, a couple of offshoots on some labels. You know, some prestigious like Symmetry, which mm-hmm. was really awesome. And I you know I was able to meet up and talk to you know Charlie Brake a couple of times, but um, you know like. You know, and that process was fantastic as well. Um, but, you know, having this actual, like, you know, being in contact with everybody on the North Quarter and just kind of getting good, you know, feedback on stuff and just mm-hmm. having an actual platform is, I mean, it's, it's tremendous. Um, yeah. Definitely, like, it's still you know like an imposter syndrome like byproduct where i'm just like i don't know how i got here but i'm here now so yeah uh, yay (laughs) go with the flow (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah there's definitely something about again from a outside perspective uh there's something about the north quarter that feels very uh i don't know like like a crew like i don't know if crew is the right word but like kind of like now you're part of that family of like artists that I don't know if other labels have to the same extent, maybe like 1985 have the same vibe going, but because of the effort they put into the artwork uh, and and all of that and the quality of the releases, it feels like, I don't know, like a family of artists and now you're part of that family with your latest EP. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. uh, Yeah, um, I certainly feel that way. You know, everybody on there is, you know, top tier world-class artists and producers, you know, and I think what's great about the North quarter is that you're given the freedom to really explore creatively. So it's never just give me four bangers and let's release them. It's like put together a project that genuinely reflects and represents you on a musical level, do what you can to make sure that it's 
palatable, but at the same time, don't limit your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, thankfully, you know, everybody on the label is given an opportunity and a, you know, a, uh, you know, a platform to really make what they want to make and produce music that truly reflects who they are creatively. And that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been on labels, um, you know, and this isn't to discredit anybody, you know, it's, I loved every opportunity handed to me. It's mm-hmm. been very, I, 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 great people, great community. I, I have no problem with it. Um, but there are some places where like, you know, you'll have a couple of releases and you'll be like, I like this, but it's not me. Yeah, yeah. And it'll get, it'll put you on like a, a bit of a pedestal too. You know, you'll start getting opportunities. You'll start being able to, you know, get some, uh, I guess some nods from other people in the scene, some artists, some, some radio shows, whatever it may be. And the hype will be great, but you know, deep down, it's not, it's not you like, this mm-hmm. isn't what you want to be known for. And so Lensman is really gung ho about being yourself when you make tunes, but also making sure that it's a sound that's palatable to an audience. Um, the, the best way he put it to me in the best way possible. I'm trying to make, he's like, I, I want to promote and release good music not just stuff you can bang out and let it let it roll like just no just stuff that is just just has variety of appeal and so like i think that's something that i really enjoyed about the north quarter was you know it's the a side project of mine is producing hip-hop so when he was like you want to put a couple of hip-hop tunes out with the north quarter and i'm like yeah i want to do that (laughs) let's go and having access to like awesome awesome talented vocalists and mcs or or rappers like king kai and abnormal sleeps i mean it's more than what i could ask for you know i I just it's great and I, i i know for a fact that everybody else in the north quarter has the same the same feelings about it it's just it's yeah. it's not what a lot of drum and bass labels do you know there's not really this it's it's like devoid of expectation it's like just yeah. just just make something and if it's good it will release it mm-hmm. and i'm like that's just not what i'm used to it's great <laughs> yeah so, there's definitely a sense of uh like when when the north quarter announces a new ep or a new release you're not you don't really know what you're going to get like you mm. going to be good uh but you're not really sure what it's going to be like and i really like i really enjoy that i i enjoy labels that have a consistent sound and 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 vision and and things like that but there's something special i feel about the north quarter and I, i'm sure a lot of people feel the same way of like like your EP, there's a hip hop track halfway through, and it's like, mm. oh wow, okay, <laughs> I'm down for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> tug of war. No, yeah, that's yeah. like that's honestly like one of my favorite projects on the EP. Like, okay. tell me about like, it. Just in terms of like originally, I had made it as a beat for my side project, um, and uh, I knew that I wanted to get abnormal on the EP somehow. I was hoping that I could get him on a drum and bass tune, but I, he's not a drum and bass guy, if I'm not mistaken. He just, you know, he, you know, yeah. uh, him and Lensman, you know, they they do stuff from a hip hop perspective. But I, 
I try. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, thankfully, um, I had that tune, and I was sending a couple a uh, couple of tunes uh, back and forth, and I was like, well, let me send you these three, um, and uh, there were hip hop tunes. And I sent them. And the tune I thought he was going to say, yeah, let's do that one, was not the tune he chose. Mm-hmm. He chose the tune, the instrumental for Tug of War. And I was just like, oh, all right, this is definitely going to add. Because the two tracks would have added a completely different perspective to the EP. Like, the one hip-hop beat was just more, like, not really commercial, definitely more on, like, a lo-fi mm-hmm. um, kind of trappy sense but like really atmospheric and it's a track that i'm hoping to get someone for on the next ep Mm -hmm. um but like he chose the instrumental that ended up being used for tug of war and i was just like honestly i don't think i i would have wanted any other way now and especially with the messages conveyed in his lyrics for the track it was a perfect perfect fit um yeah and then getting king kai on affirmations was awesome as well i mean working with him was great he's he's incredibly talented um from a lyrical standpoint uh he's ahead of his time especially from what you hear in like the lyrics and drum and bass you know i i i it's it's weird you know i was reading you do the the mistake when you release a track where you you know especially if it's on like a platform like ukf you start reading the comments yeah. And I was like utterly surprised at how many people just genuinely do not like rap lyrics on drum and bass music. Yeah, yeah. they don't like it. Dude. It's it. They're literally like their response is literally it doesn't belong in drum and bass. And I'm just yeah. like, listen, if you're gonna have all this hype energy for like, for like like raga MCs on stuff like on liquid tracks too, like stuff for I don't. I don't think that type of energy is needed on like a really mellow, soulful tune. Yeah, usually not. No. Yeah, and most most producers make the the wise, logical decision. Like, I'm not gonna put, you know, I'm not gonna put like skibbity on this like piano driven exactly, string yeah. quartet track. But you know, at the same time, the best part about drum and bass is that it's meant to be highly progressive. So. Yeah. Of yeah. course, eventually, inevitably, we're going to start utilizing more modern vocal techniques or vocal styles, predominantly being, you know, rap music at the time. And the fact that it's, you know, we're focusing on rappers in the UK, you know, in the home origin country of drum and bass, I think that's really important too. I've been like, yeah, I try to reach out to artists in Manchester mm. um, because that's where the North quarter is kind of base slash founded on, or at least that's where most of the artists are Mm. giving them an opportunity is important. So, and not a lot of people, not a lot of listeners think about that as well. They don't think about the opportunities on an independent artist level to be able to just, Oh, I got this feature on this track and this track is going here and here and here. And now I'm on something and I'm getting these opportunities. Like you got to think about that. You know, I, the, the, the mentality that, you people just for some reason cannot separate their own personal preferences from the fact that it's still good music. Yeah. It's yeah. really like, I'm, I'm trying, honestly, I have a struggle with that as well. Mm. I'm not particularly the most pop centric person. You know, I hear like, I hear a track from like this, you know, billboard artist that I'm like, that's trash, but I know in my heart, it's not, you know, yeah, like it's, it's just, it's I, I, <laughs> yeah. Like I personally don't mind it. Um, or I'm sorry, I personally, I, I, I do mind it. 
I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, but you know, I know that this is what the majority of people like. And from that consensus, you can't deny yeah, it's yeah. good that it's good music. It is absolutely good music, just not and, good music to me. And, the, um, and, and a lot of that stuff is, if you're being really honest, is, is really well produced. Like if you oh, yeah. listen to, like I had a big moment with like The weekend, like his, his stuff mm. at the start, I wasn't a big, like a huge fan, but then yeah. like when he went more like synthwave route and with uh, obviously like Blinding Lights and other tracks and I was like, this is properly amazing. And I don't care if it's number one in every single country in the world, like this track is amazing. <laughs> Dude, like honestly, I have not heard a bad weekend tune. It's funny you brought him up. That's who I was going to bring up. Yeah, because I was going to mention <laughs> weekend. <laughs> Everything that he's been doing, especially his stuff with Casafelstein, uh, has been nuts. Those yeah. tracks are fire. Like I'm not gonna like, and they're all like sex appeal tunes. It's not like yeah. meaningful lyrics. It's just like, girl, let's meet in the bedroom right now. Like, and you're just like, I'll I'll, I'll be on, I'll be in the car, like just yeah. like. I don't know what to do with this, but this beats fire and yeah, track exactly. Hot. It's, it's not like, poetry, but it's yeah, the quality of like production behind it and yeah. I really realized it when I did a I did a cheeky bootleg of of Blinding Lights because the instrumental was was on YouTube. So I was listening to like just the instrumental, and you realize how well it like how well constructed and produced it is when you don't have the vocals on top, and that's like it brought it to a whole new level to me when I, when I heard the instrument, I was like, it's good. Like this song is amazing. I don't care if it's yeah. number one on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, so I guess I'm trying to bring a similar approach, you know, and, uh, you know, North quarter is trying to bring that similar approach as well. And I'm just glad to be able to be along for the ride. I'm hoping that I could do a lot more. I'd love mm -hmm. to get, you know, I mean, this is like a pipe dream, but like getting like, american rappers even you know ones that are on the come up right now mm. to maybe lend their work in a north quarter project that would be crazy you know like we've got a lot of up-and-coming producers that like you know they're like oh this is too fast but it's like you know your tracks at 95 bpm like the real hype like like yeah, yeah. dirty trap style tracks they're kind of fast like honestly yeah. they're faster than drum and bass music if you add a second snare into like the yeah, quarter yeah. pattern. Yeah. It's not so, that far off. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, dude, all you got to do is have it out and then you're good. And I think that with certain, you know, with, with certain sounds, we could achieve something. I think that's a, I think that's like a good aspiration or a goal to have mm. because that would branch. First off, that would branch awareness. You know, yeah. you, you've already got people like machine drum making drum and bass. And I mean, a drum and bass track was on the same album that Freddie Gibbs had a feature. Like mm. he, he's a really, really like big rapper out here, but he's still okay. like on this status of underground, not really underground, but more so just like, he'll work with anybody that makes good beats and good music. So he, and you, you know who machine drum is, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So like the album that he just released has Freddie Gibbs on it and getting Freddie Gibbs on a track is like the coveted like master plan for some people. Like mm -hmm. you get people like Mad Lib that produce entire albums for Freddie Gibbs. You get like the Alchemist who will produce tracks for Freddie Gibbs or a whole album for Freddie Gibbs. Like 
that's dope. When I saw that, I can't lie. I got like hyped just like, <laughs> oh, because sh- there are two drum and bass tracks. It's on the same, it's on the same album that like Sub Focus had a feature with Machine Drum on. I'm like, yeah, this is hope. <laughs> this is hope for people that there's a light. Yeah. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah. yeah. So circling around, I digress. No, um, the uh, yeah, North Quarter is just they're all about innovating and mm-hmm. doing the stuff that you know we've been doing and what a lot of the other artists on there have been doing has been mm-hmm. innovation. Um, I'm particularly like I I particularly rate Red Eyes' production and mm-hmm. his creative uh his creative vision on his stuff. Um, he the album that he just had Self Portraits probably it's it's got to be my favorite album of last year like Mm -hmm. it's just so good and the outros if you um because on vinyl uh it's different um i didn't notice um from if i'm not mistaken um because i think on vinyl it's the actual just the tracks themselves but on digital the outros and some of the intros are like just beats and compositions that he's made it'll like literally the end of the track will flow into like a house track or in like a nice like like a nice lo-fi ambient skate track and then there's like a couple of lo-fi hip-hop beats and like drs is on one of them and it's fire and i'm just like i love this <laughs> like this yeah. is genuinely dope there were moments where like i had to skip past the drum and bass part to get to the other parts just because i like those parts so much and then i would save the drum and bass track for later on so i can enjoy that later on in the day yeah. like it was just it's like an experience so like I, that's also a big feat releasing something on a label of which your favorite artists and favorite yeah. albums are on it's surreal yeah. to me so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and there's because you talk you talk a lot about like rappers and i feel there's a, a difference between like mcs and rappers mm. like because mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of mcs on drum and bass tracks but when i heard affirmations for the first time it was it's, it's very different from traditional mcs that i would hear on drum and bass tracks it's more on that rapper spectrum if it if it makes sense and i was listening to it in in the living room and my wife was there and and she's like not a huge drum and bass fan she just like listens to drum and bass when i listen to it <laughs> and <laughs> that track came on and she kind of turned and was like, hey, like, like, what's this? Like, like she could hear like it was something different, something new, probably because of Kinkai be- being on it. And like that, I don't know, the vibe was very different. So that's my favorite off the EP. So tell me a bit about like that track specifically, how how it came to be as as it is. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'll, uh, well, first, shouts out to your wife. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad someone liked it for that sense, or at least, you know, converted a non-drum and bass fan into just yeah, being like, oh, this is actually kind of dope. Um, so cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Affirmations, I had produced, uh, honestly, like two years ago. That track was a dub for a little oh. bit. Um, and uh, it had... I knew that I just wanted to make something that was very low key, but I made it in, uh, I made it with the intention of getting a vocalist on it. And at the time, you know, every drum and bass has the same aspirations. Oh, I got to get DRS on this. Mm -hmm. I got to get, you know, I got to get somebody, I got to get, you know, I got to get SPMC or stamina on this. Like, yeah. And, uh, you know, I made it 
Um, and I ran it by Lensman and was like, how do you feel about this? I want a vocalist on this because this is, you know, definitely a, a very chilled out vibe. It's perfect. Mm. But he was like, this tune's good, but I don't think we should get an MC for it. I think we should really try to find a rapper for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Because the tune, it was complex enough as a liquid tune that you could get down to it, but it also left so much room for vocals that you could easily put uh, like an actual rapper that's going to do things like ad-libs and chorus yeah. parts. And it was it was a good foundation for that. And so at the time, FD had already had the feeling out with King Kai mm-hmm. off of his album or off, uh, off of his EP from like early 2020. Um, and he reached out to King Kai for me and was like, you know, take a look at this. King Kai said, yes. I was like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're doing this. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he made the hook and some of the verses like, you know, within like, like maybe a day, couple, like maybe a couple days, got everything polished, sent it over within a couple of weeks. Um, that's nuts. and yeah, we worked together. I ran it by him. I was expecting all this feedback of it. Like, oh man, I'm not feeling this. Cause I just, everyone's their own worst critic. And I'm That's definitely crazy. like self-defeating in that sense. I'm thinking I'm going to blow this opportunity. Like <laughs> it won't happen. And uh, no, like complete opposite. He was like, yo, this is great. I vibe with it. I think this is good. I think this is definitely something different. I'm like, oh my God, it's really happening. And so <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we progressed forward and, um, yeah uh it made the ep and i mean lensman king kai and i called it from the start we're like this is probably going to be the standout track of the ep this is going to be the one that's gonna really make some moves and honestly it's not even because it's a drum and bass track it's because it's a rap song that happens to have a drum and bass exactly and i i love that like i'm absolutely gonna make more stuff like that has to happen like that that's like especially as an american producer where here the saturation of what's considered to be popular but also underground is rap music Mm. this is like this is a good avenue for anybody yeah it's like a gateway like uh i I talked a lot about people who (laughs) drone bass producers who come from the rock hard rock or metal scene and kind mm. of branched into drone bass through like pendulum and prodigy and and things oh like yeah that. and that was like the bridge into drone bass for a lot of people here in europe at least that was my case uh so it's funny to hear you that maybe rap could be that same gateway for people in the u.s to get into drone bass like without their knowledge almost <laughs> yeah because the rap landscape has changed almost entirely you know it's like you got one side that's all hat like just hype music mm-hmm. you know got like you know your little little uzi verts and little yachties and all this stuff but then you've got this complete opposite spectrum of just like what seems to me to me personally true artistry and mm-hmm. instrumental uh just just it, creatively people are taking a lot of time to really write songs that not only from a lyrical standpoint or sound, but from an instrumental standpoint are great, you know, using organic and acoustic instruments, but Mm -hmm. with enough flow and with enough um, elements that make it 
palatable to the audience. Um, so, you know, you've got uh, just this very eclectic scene. And what's crazy is that everyone messes with it. Everybody is like, whoever, anyone who's into like this hype trap music that's immediately hitting Billboard Top 40, they also like the stuff um, that's coming out with these producers and artists that are making like these lo-fi hip hop beats that are soaring on the underground. Like it's really, yeah. it's a really interesting dynamic. And it's important that, especially for electronic music, that you can combine those elements. Because if you can find a way to integrate into either one of those landscapes, even just a small percentage, the seed has been planted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, you, you, don't know, you don't know what will happen. It may die, but it may grow and flourish and you yeah. never know. So yeah, it's just, it's, if anything, it's just a good opportunity, you know? And what's weird is that it's funny that you mentioned that a lot of people that got in the drum and bass from hard rock in the UK and in Europe, that's, it's interesting. I've, uh, it, it, I guess it varies. Um, yeah. In the States here, definitely. I, I agree with that for sure. Mm. I like people were like, yeah, I was in the metal. My, my roommate has been like a drum and bass head for like 15 plus years. And he, that I'm pretty sure he was telling me that it was like, yeah, I was into like metal and like hard punk and thrash. And mm. then I found out about like, um, like technical itch and all these other people. And then I just, and you know it 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 makes perfect sense, especially mm-hmm. back in the day where it was just fast, you know, amen break drums, and that's yeah, yeah. you know. So it's kind of cool to hear that because I'm the complete opposite. I found out about drum and bass from listening to the down tempo electronic music mm-hmm. that was coming out in like the late '90s, early 2000s, like listening to stuff like DJ shadow and cut chemists, like turntablists and like different mm. producers. So that, I always find that's like an, I always ask people like, how'd you find out about drum and bass? It's yeah. always interesting to hear like what their background is. That's always pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's get into that actually. Cause uh, like, for example, me, I'm originally from, from Belgium. So my gateway, at least into liquid was, was Netsky. He's when he's first album mm. dropped in, in Belgium, it was like huge and that was like making like the radio and everything here and that was like my first taste of like liquid let's say drum and bass um i'm I'm curious like from your perspective because i guess there wasn't that much drum and bass around you when you were like growing up <laughs> like uh, how did how did you like discover drum and bass um yeah man again it's um yeah it was kind of just self-discovery i attribute napster Thanks, Napster. <laughs> um, yeah, I found out about it when I was like 12. It was like 2000 and, 2005, 2006. Maybe I was 13. Math, not, not with it. Um, and uh, yeah, I had been listening to like, I, I, it, it's weird, man. Like you don't think about it, but like you don't really know what music is until like you turn 12 or 13 or like mm. those early ages. Like that's when you start like discovering music and realizing what you like. Because mm. before that, you kind of just like whatever your parents or your friends like just for the sake of yeah. just appealing to people. But once you start growing that, like that little teenage angst sense of, you know, individualism, you're just like, Oh, let me find this music that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to like, like electronic music that was really big at that time. So 
I was listening to like the Prodigy, Crystal mm-hmm. Method, um, Thievery Corporation, uh, Moby. Um, yeah. I probably just said Moby already. <laughs> um, and uh, like, but then I discovered like, like industrial kind of just more like the turntablist product uh, producers and stuff like that. So like I discovered Introducing by DJ Shadow. That's mm-hmm. probably my top album of all time. That's just, it's, it's a masterpiece start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some people are like, I can't listen to this. This doesn't make, this doesn't make any sense to me, but like <laughs> it may, it clicked immediately in my mind from the moment I turned it on. Mm-hmm. Um, find out about people like uh, Cut Chemist, Kid Koala. Um, you get, uh, you know, uh, people that come through. Uh, like I had found out about Crazes, DJ Crazes' early sets that were recorded at that point because he was already in the circuit killing like the DMC competitors, like like a Viking who's just killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and through that, I had discovered uh, Timeless by Goldie. Mm. So and. So like even now, the way that you get me to a tune to like really like a tune, if you have really atmospheric chord pads, like really nice, ethereal, like soulful, like good for the heart atmospheric pads in a track, I will melt and I'll probably buy your song on the spot or like you you would have hooked me in. There's just, I don't know if it comes from like, video game soundtracks of like games I used to play before I discovered drum and bass or like movies or something. But it, there's just something about those particular sounds yeah. that just pow, reel me in. <laughs> and I have, I, there's nothing I can do. So like the intro for timeless immediately, I was just like, I'm in, I'm in like, <laughs> and so, you know, um it was just in- incredible and i from there i had started listening to ltj bookum found out about blame moving shadows um found out about uh v recordings mm-hmm. um and uh all the great stuff that was going on with their you know digital spirit marcus intellects um tillinger <laughs> um and then eventually, and by then I still wasn't, I wasn't even sold on it yet. I just knew that there was this type of music I liked, but I wasn't like a head yet, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I discovered Diesel Boy. I'll, I'll say it right now. I discovered Diesel Boy on the Need for Speed Most Wanted soundtrack. Nice. Uh, and I, and that was just like, I know that this is a video game soundtrack, but I think I'm going to have to try to find this in real life. Mm. And it, it, it's the dungeon master's guide it's like one of the infamous uh mixtapes for drum and bass in the states it is just start to finish murderous hardcore neurofunk drum and bass and it was like this melding of two landscapes because you had the neurofunk side and then you had like this you know completely separate like super nice soulful you know liquid drum and bass not even liquid drum and bass it was just jungle back then Mm. and I was hooked immediately and I went through the deep dive, you know, and I went, I started with the, the American heads, you know? So I found out about people like random movement. I found out about gridlock once again. Um, 
there were just so many different people. You had evil intent. Um, uh, and I just, I did that deep dive. I consistently went through with that deep dive like since then I haven't stopped. So that has always been, that's my origin story for drum and bass. <laughs> so, so it's funny. It's mostly like a, like a solo exploration. It's not like you, at least from what you're telling me, it's not like you had a, a bunch of friends and you would go to like parties or raves or whatever. It's, it was, it was a very like not solitary experience, but like just you exploring and finding stuff by yourself. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I, I just spent a lot of, a lot of, a lot of time on Napster, man, <laughs> uh, while it was still up and yeah. just tried to, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't do a whole lot in those days. So I was kind of just like, you know what, let me just, the music was definitely like an outlet for a lot. Mm. So I absolutely spent more time listening to music back then than I did anything else. Yeah. So yeah, drum and bass, I think electronic music in general was the, the, it's the only music genre that I just happened to discover by myself, mm. no influence, no input. I just, I found it, listened to it and was like, I like this. I think I'm going to stick with this. Mm. And I mean, clearly it influenced me enough to want to produce it professionally <laughs> later on. So mm. I, it's a good thing. I'm happy I went through that. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy as well, or else we wouldn't get the the EP that you put out. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was going to be my next question. So, at what point did you kind of think, okay, I love this music, but I actually want to make, I want to make this music now? When did that come about? Oh man, uh, it's it was a weird decision. So, in 2010, I had gotten Ableton. And uh, I had the demo version of Ableton for like six months. I kept using different emails to sign up for the 30-day trials at that point. And um, uh, it sucks because in the demo version, you can't save anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, you, you can make a tune and it's gone. It was a nice way to like start from scratch on everything. Yeah. So I would produce, I, I learned how to produce an Ableton there. And, and by the time I graduated high school in 2011, uh, I was already like proficient with things like arrangement um, and kind of just, I knew the basic function of making a tune. So thankfully a coworker of mine at the time, he had a cracked version of Ableton that he let mm -hmm. me use, found that started producing, kept making progress and skill sets and things like that. I went to like a couple of like workshops to try to get better. And, um, it wasn't until around 2014, 2015 that I, I was kind of at this crossroads. I was working at a call center, hated it so much and was like, I was at this thing where like, I was either going to like join the military or I'm going to wow. really focus on making music full time. And, uh, I'm not a patriotic dude. So I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm going to try to make music full time. So, or at least get to the point where I can make it full time or just, just make, achieve just something in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I had started really taking my production seriously. Um, around 2015, I started producing, I was producing like every weekend because, you know, again, same situation. 
um, you know, it's just, I work 40 plus hours a week right now as well. So it's something where like on the weekends where like my coveted, you know, I know my friends want to hang out, but I'm in the lab. So that's not going to happen. And so I would just stash dubs and just continuously get better. And then eventually in 2017, um, I'm sorry, 2016, that's when I became, uh, that's when I became Echo Brown the mm-hmm. first time. And I decided I'm, I'm starting to send demos today. So I sent demos off to all these different places. Obviously no, no emails back. Cause at the time my sound wasn't, that it wasn't good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, was that uh, drum bass, sorry, was that drum and bass from the start? Like when you started producing, making sketches, was it from the start drum and bass? Or did you <laughs> like do other stuff? Uh, I did. Honestly, I did multiple genres. I think the first track I ever made was like a 115, the basic four chord little like thievery corporation <laughs> style. It was just, it was so like such an easy track to make. Um, but when you start, you got to start small, start yeah, easy. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. um, but no, I started, uh, I then started branching out into drum and bass pretty heavily because I knew like, that's where I wanted to end up. Cause that's the mm. genre that I love the most. And, uh, I remember like the first real drum and bass track that I made landed on like a little local, like internet radio thing. Cause I had, at that time I had started going out to shows not drum and bass shows, but just shows in general yeah. in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, where I was living. And uh, my homie uh, back then had uh, they had this little radio show, and it made it on there. And I was like, "Oh snap! This is big time!" But it's like, well, it wasn't big <laughs> I time. Mean, I mean, it meant a lot. <laughs> it meant a lot at the time. But I was just like, "All right, cool. I'm with it." And I think maybe hearing that tune kind of kept me going. But Mm. no yeah 2016 was when i was like all right, i'm gonna really i'm absolutely gonna start sending music out i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be loud about it i'm just i'm gonna keep my head down make tunes try to ma- try to produce music as much as i can send stuff out learn stuff take courses watch youtube videos do whatever i need to do mm. um and you know thankfully it it paid off 2017 was when stuff actually started getting a little bit more serious. I started getting shows uh, in that town of Wilmington, the, like I mentioned earlier, playing for the bartender. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then I got a couple of shows, but it was always weird because I was the only drum and bass dude there. Everybody else was playing like dubstep yeah. and like electro house and like not good dubstep either, just bro step, just yeah. like, like just excision and like, that sick uh and like stuff that you just don't want to hear at i i i I don't like that (laughs) so that's just me did did you see the sorry just on that point the there's this mini documentary by this one guy on youtube it was like trending all the time like all my it's it's like the story of the history of dubstep why all my friends hate skrillex or something and it's I've of, heard of that. I saw a link for that, but I haven't uh, watched it. Oh, you it. have to watch it, mate. It's it's That's really good. it's really it's like maybe 40 minutes. It's like really short, but it's like just one guy who did this, this yeah. his research, and it's really the, the history of what dubstep used to be mm. and how it became almost like this meme of if you say dubstep, you have this this sound in mind. But it, it was yeah. never that to start with. It's super interesting. But sorry. I might have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is surprising because really... I actually I actually like Skrillex. 
And yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even for the realm of like, all right. So again, you know, broaching the conversation of while I don't like the music itself, I'm not, I can't, I, I have no way to actually say that it is not good music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good music. It's just not that good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skrillex, I respect on a production level. Yeah, dude, yeah. dude, every song that I've heard from him, it comes out clean. The yeah. mix downs, the mastering, he does his thing, man. Like, same thing with Dead Mouse. I can't be mad yeah. at Dead Mouse. Um, he seems like a very opinionated person uh, when it comes to stuff. He has his own personality, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, like, I feel like may cause controversy on some oh, yeah. cases, but. At the same time, dude, dude's a powerhouse producer. Like, I, like I don't listen to Dead Mouse. He won't. <laughs> I'm not gonna bust out a Dead Mouse bootleg in the middle of the <laughs> set. But like, I can't take that away from him that he's an accomplished producer yeah. with accreditation and he's good at what he does. So, like, I like Skrillex on the realm from a technical production or just like a musician standpoint, and not from like just a content standpoint. Yeah. Um, but no, I definitely, I definitely yeah. should watch that. I, I thank you for recommending that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh it's really good, and it it makes you want to like a lot of those first, like the the guys who kind of created dubstep. It makes you want to dive back into what they did because it's. I I really think you'd like it because it's very kind of in your vibe as well, very atmospheric and and mm. gloomy and. Uh, but oh, the documentary yeah. itself is is really good. So, but sorry. So you were saying in like 2017, you started doing shows, and there was a lot of yeah. step. Yeah, I was doing like multi-genre shows and being the standout opener act that uh, everybody would go outside during uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it was drum and bass. And it's like, what what better way to start the night than at 175 BPM so everyone can go and enjoy their beers on the patio it was great and come back in (laughs) right right and then on top of that you know it was always like the venues were always like like art venues Mm. (laughs) which was like the way of saying here's a broke down cottage that used to maybe be a crack house but we converted it to (laughs) like a nice little homey bar where you can go in the back and paint and stuff and like i'm with it i think that that's great but like when you're trying to throw a show and the sound is so bad inside, you're just like, mm. ah, I got to stop taking these gigs. And the next week you take that gig because it's the only gig. Yeah. You yeah. Um, yeah. And then eventually um, things started moving in. 2018 was where stuff started actually moving in the right direction. I made the decision to branch out to cruise in Asheville. Um, Asheville for a while I would say Asheville is more of a drum and bass city than where I live, like the actual capital of North Carolina, like Raleigh and Durham and all that is Asheville for like in between 2017 and uh, 2018 had the, some of the best shows I've ever seen in drum and bass. And like people that have been here for 10 to 15 years that have said some of the best shows that they've seen were in Asheville. Um, and that was with the Biltmore Connect crew, which they're no longer a thing. Unfortunately, the one of the guys who you said he actually he recently passed away earlier, like a couple of months ago. Dude was great, great guy. Um, it like gutted the entire community mm. past. We were just like it came out of nowhere. We were just like, wow, 
it's crazy. not what we expected. So we're, we're hoping that Asheville kind of, you know, starts coming back with uh, those types of things, those events. But yeah, like my first gig in Asheville was where I really started to like branch out. And that was getting, uh, and I was playing all original sets. I was only playing oh, my wow. own tunes for like an hour, hour and a half. Um, and the first gig I had out there was opening for, um, I want to say, oh, okay. It was a hospitality tour show. It was Metric Own Glow and DJ Markey. Oh, nice. Um, who, DJ Markey had never been to Asheville before. And I've never seen, I had never seen DJ Markey. I don't know, like, anyone listening to this that has seen DJ Markey play live. You don't know what to it. You, you just go see Marky play and then go see him again. Like when people are like, Oh, he's going to turn the tape. He's going to take the, the he's technics. Gonna he's going to take the technics and turn them upside down. Like, and people are like, no, he won't. That's, that's like a horrible, gross misuse of equipment. Like, no, in the middle. And it's always going to be during like a dope, like, like super easy to scratch on jump up to and you're just gonna be like oh okay this is easy and then you start hearing that and you're just like oh like i like i think everybody in that club like we stopped making noise like everybody was like hyping up and like this yeah and you know whenever a tune drops everyone's doing the whole you know boop, 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 yeah, gun yeah, fingers, yeah. explosions and everyone shut down half of the place was just like yelling at the top of their lungs because they can't describe what's happening and then there were people on the side near the green room where i was where we were just like just speechless <laughs> just looking unaware and that show was nuts I, I, but I'm, I was so fortunate. That was like my first real gig mm. um, in drum and bass was that. And then I play, I opened up for Technomatic at some point, um, played a, a random movement and track show. It was, uh, it was the celebration of Track's album when it dropped, or it mm. was, uh, it was on the verge of dropping. Um, and then, yeah, like late 2017 was when that all popped off. 2018 occurred. I got a couple of things signed which kind of further solidified my efforts to kind of do this thing professionally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, late 2018 was when Lensman hit me up and was like, let's do some stuff. And now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's 2021 <laughs> fresh, fresh EP out. And, uh, I mean, hopefully have a new one out this year mm-hmm. as well. There's another thing I'm curious, not maybe not a lot of people notice, but, uh, so you used to be echo B before being, echo yeah. brown mm-hmm. and and it's actually like two separate like spotify profiles and, and everything uh so i'm quite curious if there was a like a reason for you to 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 switch to actually echo brown and and, and not echo b um so originally i had been echo brown uh when i like in 2016 i, st- I changed my name from like being like three other different things uh <laughs> to just being echo brown and there when i started making more tunes i decided that i wanted to be or when i started making more tunes and i started actually getting a little bit more reception i decided i was gonna condense the brown to just being b Mm -hmm. and it worked but i noticed that it was super confusing 
for most shows because there are like th- there's a John B. There's yeah. always going to be someone B, someone B. It just happens to be the letter B, and it got real confusing for a little bit. Mm. And um, I just got to the point where I was just like, you know, Echo Brown is pretty unique. It's representative yeah. of my name. There's no, and I think honestly, it's 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 fluid. You know, like I can, it could be adapted to anything. I think it's a dope name. Mm. Um, so yeah, I went by Echo B from 2017 until 2019, um, and switched it to Echo Brown back to echo brown and that's that's where it's going to remain i don't ever mm. want to change my name again it's just too much of a confusing <laughs> yes. situation and honestly i'm kind of happy that the body of work i had with um echo b is totally different from what i have mm. with uh echo brown because um i think i have the symmetry tune and the flight patterns ep that's under echo b still that i need to talk to spotify about but they don't like getting back to me in a timely fashion so (laughs) they're very uh they really don't like customer service at all um but we had uh yeah i had those releases under echo b which i want to get switched over um but there are and then there are also some releases i had where i had echo b stuff i it was jump up music Mm. and so i'm i'm I'm, i love jump up i really do some of it you know i can't get down with it's a little too just like stab horn horn stab stab horn horn stab type stuff and i'm just like this is a little too much um but like i'm a big fan of like some of the like the the foghorn jump up stuff that comes through like you can't deny it that shit drops on like a pk sound system your clothes come off like i'm not (laughs) there's nothing you can do to stop it but um uh yeah the music i made jump up i made during that time definitely was like me making music trying to appeal to a crowd instead of Mm. trying to make music that was true to myself Okay. And I I learned that the hard way because then people started having like I'd people still play those tunes here and like I'm just like you know I just had an EP out you're gonna play this here and he's gonna do the whole point at me in the crowd like that's that dude and uh. I'm just like you know that ain't me I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> who like <laughs> so um but no like honestly I'm I'm grateful for all the opportunities I had under both names um yeah. uh. But, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just the best way to sum it up is the name didn't feel right when I was Echo B. And so I switched over to Echo Brown and now we're solid. Mm. Good. Yeah. And definitely, uh, as you said, it's, it's, it's quite a versatile name. Like if you say Echo Brown, you don't think drum and bass specifically. There's a lot of names that sound drum and bassy, uh, but having Echo Brown does give you like the opportunity later down the road if you want to go more into I know you have another alias for hip hop, but if you want to go more down that route or or yeah. slower one fifty stuff or whatever. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's it's a it's it's got variety to it. Um it's not I'm not gonna say it's unique. It's not really that's you know, it's not like a special name. It's not like something like like Halogenics, <laughs> which is like, dude, that's such a complex name, dude. Like I like I couldn't think of that. You'd it would take me a month to come up with that. 
Like it's a dope, it's a super dope name. I just say, I just, I have to say it with all the syllables. Halogenics. It's yeah. fire. It's, you and, know, it's going to, you know, the music's <laughs> going to be complex just when you hear yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, listen, if it's got the, the N I X at the end, the yeah. something, something Enix, it's going to be dude, hell. dude spent half of his life with an analog synthesizer i was like did you like he just he came out of the womb with like a 303 in hand and was just like you don't you don't know what's coming like this is but i hope, I hope he's listening That'd be- <laughs> i hope he doesn't because he might hate me but well, no, oh no. man i don't know no no he's cool i've never i've i've uh i went to a show in dc where he played played like a nasty set like dude, it was so it was so good and then, like the last, like twenty minutes with these halftime tunes, because he uh, he hadn't released that Lordal EP out yet, and he was playing the tunes from that, and I basically was like trying to leg sweep everybody because the energy <laughs> was nuts from those tunes, and like I I'm I have imposter syndrome, so like people are like, yo, go talk to Halogenics, he's right there, like mm-hmm. you can do this. It's not like you're Joe Schmo, just go talk to him, and I'll just walk up and do the like just just baby face just. Freeze Hi. <laughs> I liked your show. <laughs> okay, bye. Like just freeze up in the in the, in the presence of greatness. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there was just like this weird, like totally awkward situation where I was just like, Hi, I liked your show. And he was just like, Thanks, Jeez. bro. <laughs> <laughs> this took off, and I was like, God, why am I like this? Why am I this way? Um no, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, if he's listening, you know. No, no, I to be honest, I don't think he does, but uh if uh, he does one day it'd be fun. Hey, we could change uh, that. We got the shout we got the wild shout out in here now. We can yeah, make yeah. it happen. Someone someone take a clip of this and send it to him or something. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, just on imposter syndrome, I think it's from people I've talked to, it's like I think everybody gets it at whatever level you're at, because there's always gonna be somebody that's quote unquote above you in the food chain, so to speak. And so you're always going to be looking up to other people. And yeah, like for me, I, I like with your EP now, there's no way like you would have imposter syndrome in my eyes. But for you, like you have imposter mm. syndrome. You see what I mean? Like, so it's like, uh, bro, you have <laughs> no idea, man. Like, you'd be surprised how a lot of the artists that like your favorite artists have the same problems. Like, yeah, it's nuts. And I learned all of that stuff. Like, like just through conversation is just like you would be so surprised how like especially like like yeah for me just in terms of like my reference i can't really speak for everybody obviously but like for me yeah like if you were like all right if they just told me to like get pack your stuff you're going to sun and base this year bro you would just see like a wooden plank moving through the crowd because i would i wouldn't know how to be myself i would just be like (laughs) <laughs> like try not to like piss people off. Like I'd bump into someone's shoulder and just like they give me that look, and I'll just be like, you know, you're right. I should leave. I'll get a return flight. We'll I, dip out. I, I don't and so, here. sorry. <laughs> right, and I would just be like, I, and then talking to, talking to like the legends, right? The people mm. that you would have never thought you'd ever meet, but then they hold you in this regard, and you're just like. I don't get it. Like I, I do freezing up and then, but eventually you kind of get used to it, but like still no, like mm-hmm. dude, like if, if, if 
if Alex Perez showed up to my front door right now, you'd probably shut the door. Shut down. You'd hear you would hear the windows shut down sound come from my mouth. It would just be <laughs> ding 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 like immediately. There's nothing you could like it would just be so embarrassing. I would like for hours I would just sit like honestly, this is that this actually happened. This this is kind of just me like saying it like hyperbolically, but that's what happened in New York okay. a while ago where Alex Perez came to New York City, he played probably one of the best sets I've ever seen in my life. That it was just fire. It was so good. It was right on the cusp of when he was um on the verge of releasing the uh the Phantom EP. Mm-hmm. That shit was nuts. But I went to this show and Alex Perez walks in. The dude's right here, like he's right there. And I was like, yeah, man, just introduce yourself, you know. You know, I brought I here's it, he's probably not listening into this either, but uh, we can hope. I brought flash drives of dubs with me specifically to hand to him because I was oh, like, shit. this is a good opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll get yeah. I didn't hand him those dubs. Oh, I, I was like just sitting there and he was vibing because there was like some 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 dub uh they had the main room was all like that was where the actual show was happening at the time. Dave Owen and Adrid were killing it. And then in the room where the bar was, was like, I guess, uh, another local DJ that was playing like dubstep and, um, but like good, like Raga style dubstep mm. with like actual deep, like, like century record style sounds. I was digging it. And so was Alex. And I was just like, that's cool. Let me walk up to this dude, hand it through a flash drive. Be like, hey man, you're like, my legend like just you're like my idol take this and just like no and, and so i kind of just you didn't say hi nothing nah n- nothing i just oh. sat there looking like a weirdo with this flash drive <laughs> in my hand just like hey. oh, I love it. Oh, yeah it's God. it's sad but like and even at that time i had i had already started talking to lensman we were already establishing mm. stuff for releases the uh, quarter to quarter EP was coming out like a month later or something. I had no reason to feel that imposter syndrome, mm. but I totally did. And so, and then you talk to, but eventually you get past it and you talk to these people yeah. and realize that they are they're 1000%. Yeah. It's not even that they're chilled. They're, they're the same. I wouldn't say they're the same way to the full extent, not to my extent. My <laughs> imposter syndrome is probably, it's a problem. Like I need to talk to somebody about it. Just don't feel like I deserve anything. But, um, like most of them are just like, yeah, you know, normal human interaction is weird. And when you do make music or you make art or something that puts you on this landscape where you have all these people following you, it's mm. hard to know how to knowing what to say and how to act. Yeah, yeah. So I totally get by that. Like that doesn't even cover like when I was in London because <laughs> I had people showing me around and taking me backstage like I had met, I met Sweet Pea in London. She's yeah. totally awesome. She's awesome. She's a crazy talented DJ. But once, and I had known about her because Metalheads was promoting her stuff. Again, I don't know what I'm doing because I'm in the, it's her spirit. All right. MC Black Eye was on stage killing it. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure, oh man, there was a, there was a, there was another one that came through and I was equally like shot. Oh, it was source direct mm. came through. And I'm just like, 
that was also the night that I, uh, I, I, I did not know Source Direct was Source Direct, and I thought his name was Direct Source. And then the MC asked me what the name was, and I said Direct Source, and he said Direct Source over the mic, and then I left because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to die. So, because um, that's that's a legend. It wasn't until I got back where I hit that MC up and was just like, Hey, yo, you remember when we called that dude? direct source all right yeah 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 <laughs> we gotta stop stop the cap <laughs> but um and, uh no it, it's like and then like there was one night in the uk where i was hanging out with are you are you familiar with uh sophie marie or sophie she has a couple of uh releases on d recordings yeah yeah i think she yeah I, I think i saw something on focus maybe or celsius right but but yeah 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 she's um She's she's incredibly talented and she's been working with V and Liquid V for a hot minute. Mm. And so uh this was like 2018. We uh she she hits me up because she's from the States as well, but she was living in London at the time. Mm. So uh, uh so I, I hung out with her and MC Omatica a lot when I was there. Um and one day they're just like, Hey, we gotta go do this radio show, you should come with us. And I'm like, All right, cool. I'm <laughs> thinking like it's going to be like like a local radio show. I don't know how it goes in London. I'm I'm only used to like we're going to do this radio show in a in a city 4 hours from here and mm. it's like someone's bedroom. Yeah. So I was expecting something like that cuz you know I didn't have the world view. <laughs> but yeah. we go in the door had a passcode and stuff. There was like an official dude at the door and I'm like and it's I'm just like bro, I don't but know it, what. All right, this is legit here? like <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. I walk in and it turns out to be Rinse FM. Oh. So I'm just like, are you kidding me? I walk in. I look to my left. Here's Terrence Track, mm. um, who I've known uh, prior to that. That's a homie. Um, and then you have uh, Supply and Demand, another OG. Uh, and inside the booth was brian g zero t oh shit uh ronnie sice was on the decks at the time uh and it was literally legends walking in and out of the studio within 10 minutes Mm. and so i had mistakenly tagged along to the rinse fm 24 hour takeover for v recordings because it was their 24th or 25th year anniversary so i met like zula artificial intelligence walked in and i mistook him for dj patif that all you're talking about the mistakes made like those are the moments where your imposter syndrome kicks in you're like oh yeah you don't belong here you thought this dude was someone else entirely (laughs) they loved it they thought it was hilarious but i wanted to die inside so Mm -hmm. Um, and then God, DJ blame showed up like DJ blame. Mm. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. Paul T showed up cause they were about, that was right on the cusp where they had that. Oh man. How do I, or how did I already forget it? They had that really, really big song. Ed T and Edward Oberon in 2018. Mm. It was everywhere. It got featured everywhere. You could not go to a drum and bass show and not hear mm-hmm. it, but yeah, like those are the, it tests your imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. man. You just kind of sit there like, I don't know what to do. And what happened afterwards 
was a true testament that you just got to snap out of it sometimes. Yeah. Because afterwards, Track was like, what are you doing tonight? I was like, I don't know, man. What are you guys getting into tonight? I'm down for anything. Yeah. And he was just like, all right, we'll roll with us. We're about to do this show in Swindon, UK, which I thought was another major city, but it's like a like a little kind of like yeah, it's quaint smaller, yeah. British town. Yeah, which is honestly, it's pretty cool because, uh, yeah, it felt a lot like most of the cities or the small towns in Canada, mm. which I felt cool. Side note. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Yeah, and we hop in the car. I didn't know who was coming with us. Yeah, so it was DJ Uno from Cool London, Brian G, and Track. And then me, <laughs> little old me in this like Mazda 3 hatchback for like 20, like literally like 13 to 14 hours of just, I just, I hung with, I just hung out with them. Like Man. there was nothing. And like you talked about testing your imposter syndrome, just sitting there like in the back. And just like dapping everybody up, like you've known it, like it's so weird, man. Mm. I, it was such a weird time. I guess the moral of the story is, um, it's totally easy. Like once you get out of it, you get out of it. But yeah, he, that's yeah. You just have to remember at some point there, there are people like you. Yeah, of course they, they might have. Yeah, bigger audiences and more skills in certain aspects and bigger followings, all of that. But they remain like people, and mm. <laughs> and that's the most important thing in the end. Uh, yeah, especially in drum and bass and yeah. other like major genres or major you know music. Oh yeah, I, oh, oh yeah, I'm talking about drum and bass for sure. I'm yeah. <laughs> Once you branch out to like the other stuff, yeah, might not no. be the same experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, you, you people people like to really capitalize on their status and then you know mm. yeah i i don't know i feel like i might get in trouble with that because <laughs> yeah, i don't yeah. i'm one of those people like respect is due when respect is earned oh, so sure. yeah. yeah like if you're if you're just a, a a very crappy person like <laughs> but and the only thing that you have worth wise is your your music or your content like i don't care how yeah. good the music is like if you suck as a human being like i i don't really want to mess with you but yeah no, yeah sure. but for drum and bass fortunately it's it's pretty cool most people are pretty yeah, absolutely. awesome yeah yeah definitely that's what i've discovered at least through this podcast like just reach out to people 90 percent of people i reach out to are like yeah i'm down to come on and like i don't know people i don't have a network i just reach out to people who I enjoy the music and that's it. <laughs> and most yeah. of them are like just super chill to come on and talk. And yeah, so far it's been amazing. But yeah, um, man, congrats to you, man, for you yeah, know cheers. making that jump. Yeah, seriously. Cheers. Uh, I'm just yeah conscious of time and you've been super generous with your time already <laughs> so far. Yeah. Uh, but there's just one, one last topic before we close off that I wanted to talk to you about. And uh, I like to dig into a bit like the like the mindset, mental aspect also of making music and setting yourself up for success and that kind of stuff. Um, mm. And I saw on Instagram recently, you were talking about kind of like self-help and journaling and, and those mm. kind of things. Yeah, uh, It's something I'm quite interested in because I've, I've done like meditation and I did journaling for a bit, but I, I didn't really manage to stick to it. Uh, so I'm just curious, like your experience, uh, how did you come to like journaling what does it bring to you what's the whole 
story behind death? So unfortunately, this may, this may hurt. Uh, <laughs> so I have not journaled at all this year. Um, I think uh, I made that journaling post quite a few months ago, um, yeah. well over half a year. Um, I was journaling for a solid year. And I felt that while it was good in terms of productivity, it really held these mental aspirations or not aspirations, expectations of mm. if you do not accomplish these tasks today, you have failed. Okay. And it brought this sense of just like you go to bed at night knowing like I didn't do everything on the list that I wrote down and try to do a whole written manifestation that it was going to work. And so you end up going to bed feeling worse than you did when you woke up before you wrote everything down. And I didn't like feeling like that. I started, uh, I, and I experimented. I really wanted to give it a shot. You know, I yeah, tried, yeah. uh, I tried doing instead of daily, uh, journaling and planning, I tried doing uh, weekly. So mm -hmm. instead every Sunday I would write out everything I wanted to do for that week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would basically cross them off the list as I accomplished the tasks and goals, but I still made sure that there was a place for me to notate reflections. Yeah. I think that the planning aspect of journaling is what really appealed to me, but what I really pulled from the journaling experience was that really expressing or writing down feelings and what I, what I have, what I feel throughout the day mm -hmm. and reflecting on that in a sense is meditative. So I do, I do that quite a bit, but I don't do it through a traditional journal. Okay. I just kind of like, I like to take 30 minutes a night and sit back and kind of reflect. Um, and I find that as being more transformative than the journaling. Okay. Um, although I'm, I, that's just me. I know like literally hundreds of people that do journaling mm -hmm. consistently every day and it it without it they they they're not the same like they have to journal not saying that there is a there's uh you know a dependency there but it's certainly something that they take to heart and that it works but for me personally it i feel like it just it held yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it made things almost obligatory than it yeah, did yeah, yeah. make things like these are tasks that I want to do. And everything yeah, felt yeah. like I needed to do them, even though I didn't. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I went through it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. Now, nowadays, um, thankfully, I guess in many ways, the journaling was a phase part of growth, you know, cause now mm -hmm. I have a much more streamlined way of, achieving the same effects of that, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you mentioned meditation. I, I try to meditate for 30 minutes every day. Oh, well. Um, but I'm never, I've never been a person that has been, I can't do the written structure, but I can do the structure in terms of building it habitually. Okay. So like I can write down the tasks I need to do, but half of them aren't going to get done because I don't know. There just seems to be more of like an anxiety aspect to that. Mm -hmm. But if it's something where I wake up and I tell myself, okay, I got to do this today, I immediately jump on it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. It's just for some reason, it's like the only, it's, it's just me that's telling me to do it. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me that drives me to 
get in a good headspace, even creatively for music is my exercise. Okay. Um, that is something that if I don't do, I, yeah, it totally messes me up. I'm not, mm. not like, you know, detrimentally, but like, I definitely start being, I, it, it lingers in my mind all day. Like mm. I really need to get this workout in. Can I get it on my lunch break? Do I want to wait until the end of my work shift at 9 PM and do it then? It's like, no. So that's like, that's step one of the day for me where it used to be journaling um, mm. where even then I was still exercising, but like I would write it down in the journal and I wouldn't get it done. <laughs> and it'd just be like, damn, I was supposed to work out this morning. And I don't know. It's crazy. It's like, I, I, I don't know. So yeah, yeah I, exercising meditation and taking as much time as you can to like reflect on stuff yeah. because that will help you grow. And that kind of creates the right space for me, you know, yeah. that, especially when I need to make music. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that you're able to take time to just reflect. I, it's something I, I really want to do, but I'm like, I think a lot of people are in this case, but like obsessively need stimulation in terms of like, mm. I, I need to be like doing something or, and I'm like an introvert person is I'm not talking about like partying or stuff, but like, I always need yeah. like a podcast or a movie mm. or reading something or like, and if I sit down still too long, I'll become like a bit fidgety and agitated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Like, do you just like sit down and just like, or is it before you go to bed or like, how do you, how do you do it? It could be at any point in time. There are literally days where like, it's really slow at work and I'll just sit there and I will look <laughs> out the window and I will just start like okay. deep breathing definitely helps. Um, box breathing. Um is which is where one what like five five seconds or like just uh yeah like four it's four seconds you four, um okay, it's yeah. where you you breathe in you inhale and you got to make sure it's diaphragmatic breathing so not breathing with your chest but breathing with your stomach there are different yeah. uh nervous or nerve receptors uh the ones that happen from your diaphragmatic breathing are supposedly they um, they promote like relaxation, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are receptors up here that if you were to breathe with your chest uh, consistently with intensity, that actually drives up anxiety and yeah. fear and stuff. Um, I'm not a doctor, but this is stuff I have learned through kind of just experimenting it, but also kind of doing research into it as well. But I'm mm -hmm. not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's like. Trust me, it's it's Echo Brown MD here. Yeah, you should absolutely like if you yeah. say it, it's science. <laughs> yeah, if uh, yeah, no, I, I it's just what works for me. But yeah, diaphragmatic box breathing of just breathing through the stomach for four seconds, holding it for like maybe one or two seconds, or I'd say four seconds as well, and then exhaling and then repeating the process. And mm -hmm. instead of closing my eyes, which a lot of people do for meditating or for kind of just relaxing or reflecting. I like to just, uh, I like to just stare at something, and some focus, object. Yeah. yeah. Like a focus object or something. If it, uh, it I, I normally like to make sure it's something outside. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just all the different color contrasts and textures just make it a little bit easier for me to focus. And when that happens, okay. I'm solid, but, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, it's, it's not, it's not easy. No, it is. Totally. Uh, yeah. 
I've, I've, yeah, I, I, I've done meditation for, I haven't done it for a few, a few months now, but I did it for like six months straight every day. And then I kind of just dropped off and, but yeah, it does bring a lot of like to be able to do nothing, at least just a few minutes in your day. Yeah. It's hugely like it recharges your, at least for me, it recharges my batteries and I don't know. I just yeah. don't, I'm just not, you have to, it's like making music. You have to take the time to like make the time in your day to make music. Same thing here. You have to make the time to like do nothing almost. Yeah. That's the unfortunate part of being a part-time musician is, you know, I work from like my, my sometimes it's 12 to nine, other times it's two to 11 or two to 12 in the morning, like 12 AM. Like it, mm-hmm. it varies. And so um, I'm a morning person by default, so it works m- m- for me, but like taking the time to make music is rough, man, especially mm-hmm. when you live with other people. Yeah. Because if I, if I lived in this house by myself, man, I'd be up at 4am blasting like tunes, trying to make stuff, but reality is different. So mm-hmm. I end up try to wake up at like, enough time that I can wake up, meditate, stretch, uh, and then work out and then have enough time to maybe make music for like an hour or maybe two hours. But Mm. sometimes that genuinely just doesn't happen. Um, it's only on days off that I can like really just like sit in the studio and take time to actually get stuff done. It's un- it's unfortunate. I'll be in yeah. I'll be in the middle of helping a customer and I'll get an idea for a track and I'm like I have to write this down. Yeah. This is going to slap and then uh <laughs> I can't get in the studio and then an hour later when I do have time, it's gone. The idea is gone. Like, yeah, like yeah. that is it is defeating to just know like you are confined to that. But um I mean right now it's funny and I learned this trick from Lensman uh an hour a day Literally just take an hour a day to make music. An hour is nothing. Like it's, it's, it's really not, it's the same principle that I hold when I work out Mm. is just, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, one hour of your day is nothing. So 22 hours of the day now is spent for whatever I got to handle. And the other two is between me exercising and me getting my, Mm. if I'm making a beat, for the side project, that's fine. If I got to work on a tune for an EP or a project, or I got to handle mix downs, or if I got to handle promotion and start submitting stuff to blogs and playlists and all of that, mm. um, that's my hour to do it. I can do it in the morning as soon as I wake up. I can do it at night after I clock out. It simplifies the process. It's helped tremendously. Mm. Um, and that honestly frees up time for me to do anything else. You know, that's the biggest caveat is like, I want to be able to hang out with my friends and my roommates yeah. that you know, I want to be able to take time to chill out and uh, see, and you were talking about stimulus, um, having a lot of external stimulus that kind of makes it where you can't really sit still with yourself. You know, you're mm. uncomfortable fidgety. I'm the same exact way I'm trying right now. My big challenge is to not eat food while I watch TV. Like that's, oh, yeah that's such a burden for me. Like I'll start eating and I'll immediately like put like Netflix or HBO max on. And I'm just like, I thought I wasn't going to do this today, but then the show's (laughs) already playing. And I'm like, well, now that I'm here, I might as well. And so 
I'm trying to end that. Um, but it's just one of those things, man. It just cra- take self health and self improvement is just small, tiny steps every day. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a, uh, and it's a continuous learning. It's, it's never like, okay, now I've achieved, uh, like, unless you're like Buddha or something, but you never achieve like the, right. there's never a destination. It's always like Im- improving and making things better. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I love that, man. Like every, every day, a little bit better. And from my point of view, whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. Cause again, that EP is absolutely amazing. So I appreciate just, that, bro. Hey, I'm glad you like it, man. Seriously. I'm just, that's why I made it. I'm just happy that it resonates with people and that they dig it, you know? Yeah. No, I love it. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of other people love it. So I think we're going to close it off on, on that. Really enjoyed uh, this chat and meeting you, man. Uh, cool, man. Really, Likewise. Really fun, really fun having you on. Um, before we shut off, uh, let people know maybe where they can reach out to you and anything upcoming that you can, that you want or that you can disclose. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm on all social networks with the exception of TikTok because we don't do that. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, just type in echo Brown. It'll be there. Um, I'm on Twitter now. If that, I mean, that's not special. I don't know if you want to hear my one liners, but they're not good. So yeah. And, um, uh, in terms of new stuff on the horizon, got a couple of projects, uh, being worked on. Uh, I've got something coming out in May, June that I cannot talk about, but I am like really excited about. And like, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And yeah, hopefully if COVID is up, I'll be in your neighborhood doing stuff on a stage. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. it. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, yeah, looking no forward problem. to your future projects and uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. Yeah, no problem, Simon. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.